Thank you for joining Radio Maria England. We now present Feasts and Seasons, presented by Joanna Bogle. Hello, this is Joanna Bogle, Auntie Joanna, talking about Feasts and Seasons. Palm Sunday is also Passion Sunday, thinking about the passion of our Saviour, his death on the cross, and it marks the beginning of Holy Week. There's no other week of the year that we call Holy Week. Not even Christmas, the birth of Christ, is as important as the great events of the death and resurrection of our Saviour. So it's Holy Week, and it begins with Palm Sunday. Most people know the reason for the name, as is described in the Gospels, when Christ rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, people waved palm branches and hailed him, saying great praising things about him, raising their voices joyfully. Here comes the Lord of hosts. It's all a very joyful scene. And as we know, this very same crowd was going to see him be crucified. There's something about this that is incredibly powerful and dramatic. So on Palm Sunday, we carry palms in church. Sometimes these palm branches are folded into, make, into little crosses and you can keep one in your prayer book or perhaps better, put it somewhere around the house. We always have one tucked up by the kitchen clock. Sometimes they're not folded into crosses and remain as palm branches. And then of course you can still do the same. Uh, put it up somewhere around the house. The palms are blessed. They are regarded by the church as sacramentals, as having a value because they have been blessed and used in, in, in the liturgy. In some parts of the world, they're not palm branches. We get them now in Britain. You can, they are ordered by post uh, for our, by our parishes, and they are genuine palm branches ordered from countries where palm trees grow. But in the past, sometimes they used branches from yew trees, and apparently it was sometimes known as yew Sunday, meaning Y-E-W, from the yew trees. And perhaps that's one reason why there were often yew trees growing in churchyards. As we know, the wood from yew trees was also made to make uh, bows and arrows. And yew tree branches, being evergreen, have often been held to have some sort of significance because they are evergreen. Uh, like God is for always, like we too will live eternally. So there's something important about Palm Sunday, even the branches that you choose. I've also seen Palm Sunday processions where children have got uh, something they rattle, and these have been created using a, a, a box or tin with beans or something in it, uh, decorated a sort of Sunday school activity in the week before Palm Sunday. And I've seen children holding up streamers and so on. A Palm Sunday procession usually starts some distance from the church, sometimes in the parish hall or in the car park or at some point in a nearby road where there is a suitable gathering place. And walking along to the church is part of a local public spectacle in itself having great value. 
perhaps in the past when there were more Christians in Britain and the church had a bigger presence, it was simply a community event. These days, it can be a witness, a witness event of a good crowd of Christians going through the town and a reminder to others who are not active churchgoers, not Christians, that there is something important going on. Either way, a Palm Sunday procession is the proper way to start Mass on Palm Sunday. But it's also a solemn day because it's a day when we hear the passion of Christ read aloud. There's something interesting in that word passion. The understanding of Christ's passion was transformed for me when I heard a talk to a Catholic women's group by a priest who explained that the word is the same as the one we use when we speak of something being passive. If somebody is passive, it means they allow something to happen to them. They are passive. It's an allowing. And Christ, who was almighty God, who could have stopped all this at any point, allowed himself to be flogged and crowned with thorns and crucified. It's a, an allowing. He was he was passive. He is almighty God allowing this terrible thing to happen. And why? For us, for our redemption, because God so loved the world. There is something very, very important about that. We think about the word compassion, a suffering with. And the passion of Christ is that allowing this to happen, a being with us. So here we are thinking about Palm Sunday. It is, of course, because of the waving of palms in the procession, to that extent, a joyful day. And there's something mysterious about it because it also takes us to the understanding of the reality of Christ. The readings remind us about the Old Testament in its prophetic voice, speaking about, see, your king comes to you riding on a donkey. We understand the Old Testament as being fulfilled in Christ. And there's an understanding here of the importance of this. Here we see Christ being what he was, the king, the redeemer coming. It, in one way, was not as was expected. People expected a great and splendid thing. And yet he did come. He came as was expected in Jerusalem, riding on a donkey both expected, fulfilling every bit of the scriptures, and unexpected. There's another small thing too which is of interest. In a procession into church today, or any day that is marked with a procession in church, the most important person comes last. You will find that as the procession begins, the altar servers come in and then the deacons and so on, and then the priest. Or if it's a bishop, there may be priests who are concelebrating. So there'll be the altar servers, perhaps the lectors. And as they walk in procession, then the priests, preceded by deacons, if there are any, and then the bishop, always coming last. And here we see this pattern in Palm Sunday, that Christ comes riding on a donkey with people waving palms in front of him. And of course, we, it's also said they laid their garments down so that he could ride over them. There's a sense in which Palm Sunday celebrates the kingship of Christ, the fulfilment of his ministry, just as it is about to be fulfilled completely. It is accomplished, he says, on the cross. But that fulfilment will come at a price, a terrible price of his suffering and death. So Palm Sunday is sort of joyful. How can it not be? Because we're celebrating our redemption 
And how can it not be? Because it's, it's an interesting day. We are given palm branches to wave and so on. But there's also a solemnity ahead. And we see this as we stand, stand for the reading of the Passion. It's a longish reading. And we'll have it again on Good Friday. And it's a little, only a little, but a little penance for us to stand during that long time. And it's sometimes a difficult thing to hear read aloud, the terrible description of the torture of a man. There's something very powerful about this. The beginning of Holy Week is a solemn time, and all of Holy Week will have that solemnity about it, although it culminates in the glorious joy of Easter. Spy Wednesday is the old name in England given to the Wednesday of Holy Week, thinking of the spy, the traitor, Judas. When we think of the twelve apostles, we always think of twelve, but there were in the end, as it were, only eleven that remained faithful. So we think of the apostle who betrayed Christ, the spy, Judas. The Thursday of Holy Week is known in England as Maundy Thursday, not because, as I thought as, when I was a child, that we are mourning the death of Christ, no, the same word is the one we hear in the word command. And if you ever have a bank mandate, uh, it's the same. It's a command. Which one? The one, in this case, the one that we always break. That we should love one another. The commandment that Christ gave to his apostles. So on Maundy Thursday, we remember the commandment of Christ. And we also do as he commanded us. We take bread. We take wine. There's something dramatic about the Mass on Maundy Thursday, Holy Thursday, to give it its correct uh, name in the Catholic Church, when at the command of Christ, the priest takes bread and wine and the drama of the Mass begins. And if you listen to the words of the canon, they are so familiar to us on the night before he died. But on this particular night, he, the priest adds, that is tonight. Very, very powerful. So the drama of the Mass, the sacrifice renewed, going all the way back to God's plan from the beginning, all of this is on Maundy Thursday. And reminding us to love one another, it's also a solemn tradition on this night of nights that the priest will enact again Christ's loving gesture to his apostles, washing their feet. In 2020 and 2021, all the glorious liturgical traditions of the Church have been put into a much fragmented and truncated way because of the coronavirus, a great, a great tragedy. By 2022, we hope we'll have them fully again. There's something very powerful in watching a priest wash the feet of 12 parishioners, often 12 altar servers, on that Maundy Thursday. And you can watch, usually on YouTube, you can see the Holy Father washing the feet of 12. It's all very powerful stuff. And then Good Friday. Good because through this death of Christ, our redemption is achieved. It is accomplished. So it's a strange thing to call it good when we think of the terrible, terrible tortures inflicted on our Saviour. The traditional dish to eat on Good Friday is a hot cross bun. That cross reminding us of what it was that our Saviour endured for us. And the crosses on a hot cross bun also make it convenient to break the little bun into four pieces. Somehow 
there's a sense of something quasi-Eucharistic, only quasi-Eucharistic, about a hot cross bun. Long ago, our ancestors felt there was something special about hot cross buns. It was sometimes felt that a few crumbs preserved could be eaten when people were ill and it would help them to heal and so on. We shouldn't get superstitious, but the cross on a hot cross bun is important. And then comes Holy Saturday, Christ in the tomb. The silence. Mass is not celebrated. You can sense somehow a great silence across the world as, as the clock goes round, Holy Saturday is observed. Holy Saturday, the tomb, the silence, and then on the third day, he rose again. And with the, have the glory of Easter Sunday. As all the joyful news of the resurrection spread through the apostles, Mary Magdalene running to tell the apostles and so on, as Christ went before them into Galilee, the drama, the drama of our redemption comes to its fulfillment. We eat chocolate eggs because the egg is an old symbol of new life and the colour of an egg, white and yellow, is echoed in the vestments of the church on Easter Sunday. Easter is a time for renewing our own baptismal vows and we are sprinkled with baptismal water on the night of the Easter Vigil. There's something marvellous about that darkness into light as we gather in the night of Holy Saturday to herald in the glorious, glorious news of the resurrection and the exultatis sun. There's always a deep understanding about death and resurrection in our Christian lives. We understand that every death is the completion of a life here on earth and an encounter with God. For us, no life is without meaning. Every human being matters and will encounter God at the end of this earthly life. Pondering Holy Week then brings us to the great issues that come before us as Christians in the 21st century. What we believe, why we believe it, deep stuff. All around us, there'll be chocolate eggs for sale in supermarkets and a feeling of holiday. It's a bank holiday in Britain and so on. But the great solemn reality can often be missed. Holy Week and Easter, beginning with waving our palm branches, then going through the liturgies of Holy Week and then the glory of Easter morning. Chocolate eggs, simnel cake, roast lamb. And after these difficult times of coronavirus, this year in particular, new hopes as the spring comes and we can start living in a more neighbourly way without fear of spreading infection and so on. When it comes, Easter will have a special meaning this year, but every year it should have the greatest meaning of all. You're listening to Auntie Joanna, Joanna Bogle on Feasts and Seasons. Send us any of your stories. Tell us how you celebrate the feasts and seasons of the church's year. Any family traditions? What do you do, make, eat and sing for the different feasts of the year? What will you be doing for the feasts that are coming up? Send us your stories at info at radiomariaengland.uk Thank you. 